is our week in the Weege. Hello and welcome to Week in the Weege. I'm Colin Stone. And I'm Natalie Crawford. This week in the Weege at the SNP at the SEC as the FM says OMG to the Westminster's EU plans. A study finds people in Dilmarnock have less access to fresh food and pay more for a weekly shop than anywhere else in Scotland. Glasgow prepares to get fast and furious once again. And praise for an Eastern Bartonshire high school dealing proactively with its pupils' mental health. This is a week in the Weege. At least we're not talking about Hampton. Yeah. Yay, finally, the, the curse, the cycle has been broken. No I more Hamden stories. I'm slightly concerned we're jinxing it simply by talking about it or mentioning its name. I know. But thank goodness we don't have to talk about it for at I least know. one week. No sports stories at all this week. Great. Excellent. We don't need to pretend to care about basketball anymore. <laughs> I do care about basketball. Okay, that's that's. I right am too. a Rocks fan. That's not fair. But anyway, we'll start first of all with the SNP's autumn conference in Glasgow, and let's hear from First Minister Nicola Sturgeon first of all. For many in the SNP's long history, our goal, the goal of independence, would have seemed a long way off. But the dedication to building a better Scotland never wavered. Over the decades, victories in Motherwell, Hamilton and Govan laid the foundation for the success we enjoy today. We are a much, much more privileged generation. Our goal is clearly in sight. It is now up to us to honour those who went before and win our country's independence. Okay, Colin, you were at the three-day conference. Tell me a wee bit about what the mood was like because, see, for me, that speech was, like, more of a... She was telling people to be patient. Yeah. I mean, it was... The mood was fairly optimistic because just a few days ago, or certainly this time last week, there was a massive independence march, uh, pro-independence march in Edinburgh with figures ranging from 20,000 to 100,000, depending on who you're speaking to. But the fact is, a lot of people were there. And so the mood was quite buoyant, I'd say. But yes, certainly the amount of people who were certainly still talking about independence. And as you mentioned there, Sturgeon did reference that kind of jokingly, kind of like, oh, don't be too impatient, la la la, during her speech. And that got a few laughs. But ultimately, she does have a point because people, you know, there will always be a a part of the SNP who will want independence and want it now. But frankly, in this kind of post-Brexit, pre-Brexit world we live in, she can't the sturgeon cannot say this is going to happen there she's just had to reiterate time and time again wait hold on in the words of take that have a little patience well absolutely i mean it's right there and the the title you know they're the scottish nationalist party so she was getting a bit of criticism of people saying well why is she talking about independence so much well obviously it is right there in the the name but do you think for nicola sturgeon now it's more of a kind of balancing act of not banging that drum too often but staying loyal to to their supporters well the, the fact is she will be criticized by everybody for example the tories this week said the SNP were nothing but the party of the never end them because they're constantly talking in their mind says the tories about the about independence for scotland or about a second vote for brexit and that was one of the more interesting news lines that came out of the conference in glasgow which was basically the SNP mps in westminster said if there was a chance for a second vote they'd be behind that. And so the Tories came out and said, well, if it's not Brexit, it's independence. If it's not independence, it's Brexit. Make up your mind. So you're right. Yeah, there were mentions of independence. There always will be until we get to the point where Nicola Sturgeon says, yes, here's the time, here's the date. And as she alluded to in the speech, it will be once the Brexit bombshell has settled. 
So you mentioned the, the, the march in Edinburgh and first of all, I find it absolutely astonishing that these are still happening. We're four years after oh, yeah. the referendum now. So, wh- I mean, what was the chat there? In terms of kind of the polls or the reaction before the conference, there were some which were more optimistic than others. But the general consensus is that it's still it's about 50-50 at this point. Like even the worst ones are about 50-50. And as the first minister said herself, that's better than it was in 2014. But she would not, I don't think she's going to be, she's not going to confirm anything until, as I say, until leaving the EU is done and dusted. But she has said in the past she would not hold a referendum unless she was certain it was going to go her way. Because there's no point in having another one if it's just going to be another loss. Because that's then it truly over for, yeah, a generation at least. It's a week in the Ouija. A spin-off of the Fast and Furious franchise is set to film in Glasgow later this month. The City Council have confirmed that a host of streets will be shut between October 24th and the 28th. Colin, you're a movie geek, so uh-huh. t- tell me all about this because I know nothing. Okay, I'm not, I won't bring you up to speed on the Fast and Furious uh, storylines because there are too many to keep up There's with. There's like eight movies or something, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Eight. This will be uh, a spin-off, actually. So it's not coming under the Fast and Furious name, but it's featuring characters from the film. So if you know Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I mean, he uh, doesn't... If I know Dwayne The Rock <laughs> Johnson, give me some credit. Jason Statham? No. Okay, he... well, two characters from, uh, two actors from the Fast and Furious... Uh, for, I can't even say it. Fast, and, Fast and Furious. From the Fast and Furious franchise who had such great chemistry in one of the films, maybe seven or eight, I lose track, uh, that they decided to give them their own wee film. And they're coming to Glasgow. I don't think the actors themselves are, but the second unit, which is basically the one that does all the stunts, is coming to Glasgow. That'll be really cool. So this is the thing. So Glasgow is going to kind of be on shutdown or lockdown. Certain parts of it will be between the 24th and the 28th of this month, which is a, a Wednesday to a Sunday. You've got the likes of kind of George Street, Cochrane Street, Ingram Street, so that's Merchant City area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the M8 on the underpass uh, near the footbridge at Anderson, I think, which is yeah, kind of city centre. And then you've also got Montrose Street, West Campbell Street, which is near Strathclyde uh, University. Montrose Street is the one which is one of the steepest ones in Glasgow. <sighs> I wonder what they're going to be doing off that. Uh, exactly. So I looked at that and thought, mm, that's very interesting. So, do you think we're going to be able to see much of this, you know, standing at cordons and things like that? Is it going to be as cool as when the Avengers filmed in Edinburgh because they got like explosions <laughs> and all sorts of cool things? Yeah. So what I gather from this is that it's going to be mainly stunts. And the Fast and Furious franchise have filmed in Glasgow before, although it doubled for London at that point. I don't know if it's going to be another kind of, no, this city is pretending to be something else, as it was in World War Z, yeah. if you recall that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what you can what you can actually see in person, yeah, you'll probably get to see a few things. I mean, uh, with every other filming experience I can think of in the city, people have always been posting on social media, and you can always see things. If it's Brad Pitt, or if it's uh, Tom Hanks' character crashing a car on St. Vincent Street, there's always a viewpoint for something. So yes, I've no worries about that. Yeah, the really cool thing about World War Z is for ages there was all those really Americanized fixtures and fittings <laughs> and cars and all that kind of parts about George Square and things. I think what's what's really nice, and I know sometimes Glasgow does get substituted as in World War Z for Philadelphia, it's getting to see places you know and have walked through many, many times on the big screen. I don't think there's much better than that. I mean, I don't know about you, and I'm sorry if this uh, offends our Glasgow-based audience. Oh, Jengs, that is our audience. But when I saw (laughs) Edinburgh and the Avengers, part of you is like, oh, that's Edinburgh. Yeah, that's that's really cool. That's Waverley train station. So there is a little bit, kind of like almost pride when you see it. So I think it's great. And yeah, if it showcases Glasgow again, brilliant. Is there any 
economic benefit to oh, this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the amount that they'll be spending during the shoot, you're talking, it's at least seven figures, which is great. Uh, so anything for the to boost the kind of city's appeal or appearance or that people get to, to see it is, is great for the city and for the film tourism industry here. It seems to be happening more and more often as well. You know, we, we mentioned World War Z and the Fast and Furious have been here before. Now we've got this and TV shows as well, you know, Outlander. and Yeah, you've got Cloud Atlas as well. Don't forget that. That was uh, a few years ago. You had Trainspotting sequel was here. You had Melrose, which is the Benedict Cumberbatch Sky TV programme. Uh, there is, and I'm probably missing out loads as well, but Glasgow really has carved a niche for itself in terms of kind of a place to be in shoot. And even in, in the Highlands, you had the Batman trilogy kind of film the dark knight rises that was short parts of it just outside inverness which is great a week in the week eight of the ten most deprived food deserts in scotland are in glasgow so says a new report dalmarnock came top with easter house and drum chapel among the rest natalie you've been working on this story first of all what on earth is a food desert so a food desert is basically an area which is highly populated but has basically no supermarkets. Right. Um, so people are having to, to travel out with the area in which they live to do their their weekly or their, you know, their monthly big shop. And in terms of food places where you can buy produce to actually go and cook yourself they are very few and par- far between so Dalmarnock and Easterhouse are two of the places in Glasgow that have come out at top in Scotland as these food deserts but of course you went to Dalmarnock to see for yourself yeah so I went to to kind of see if this report had, let's see what locals thought of the report and also you're right yeah there was there's nothing there there isn't there's just the athletes village which is now housing mm-hmm. uh and that's about it. There was one solitary shop, very sad looking, sitting by itself on the main road, and that's it. But anyway, yeah, as I say, here's just a flavour of what some local residents told me about Dalmarnock. There's no way to buy food. I think just when they've done the village and everything else, that they've no put anything into it now. I've not got any shops in here, I've got as a big Tesco's a parkade, you know. It's meant to be a legacy. They were leaving after the Commonwealth and they've just forgot about the people, the real people at Dalmarnock. So you heard it from the locals there. There mm-hmm. is nada for residents in that part of Glasgow. And, and Natalie, my question though is, without being too blunt, what was the point of this research? Because I could have told you that in terms of the worst areas for buying fresh food, for buying the most expensive food, I could have told you it was Dunmarnock, Easterhouse, Drumchapel and the like. I, th- I think it's probably just the point of, of any research. You might know it and you might be able to see it, but it makes it official. It puts it in black and white for local authorities and governments to actually look and see that this is a major issue so I spoke to Dr Megan Blake who, who helped put the research together earlier and what she was saying is what she hopes is local authorities will look at this and they'll look at the way they do their rates for businesses and things like that um, to try and attract people who will, will sell local and fresh produce into these kind of food desert areas okay. basically the way she explains it is that if you wanted to open a business and you wanted it to be food related and you looked at opening a fast food business or you looked at opening a shop which sells f- fresh produce your waste and your fresh produce business is going to be very high whereas it's going to be very yeah. low if you're opening a takeaway but your rates are the same so there's no profitability in opening a shop that sells fresh food yeah i agree and also what i'd say is if a business wants to start a fresh food place in glasgow you do not go to Dalmarnock. you go to the city center you go to the west end you don't 
And that's and that's maybe that's a failure perhaps on yeah the the planning committee or the council. I don't really know, but there is no incentive for anybody to start up a fresh food place in the likes of Dunmarnock or Drumchapel. Drum and uh, yeah, I mean, it's you're going to have to take some kind of radical solution to make that better. I mean, just think about how tough it would be. You know, if you do live in Dilmarnock and your your nearest supermarket is a couple of miles away, you have to get public transport there because you don't drive and then yep. you can essentially only bring home what you can carry. So then you're having to make decisions about fast food, which is probably light, versus carrying home heavy bags of fruit and veg. And I really think that's what this research is aiming to highlight. It's a week in the weege. Annual World Mental Health Awareness Day has been and gone, but an East Dumbartonshire school has been praised for its approach to tackling issues amongst its pupils. Yep, Kirk and Tillich High were joined by the Mental Health Foundation this week to launch their new campaign called Make It Count, which is calling for more training for teachers and for assessments to be carried out on every youngster at the start of each term. Now, Natalie, you were at the launch what were your impressions of this? Well, this school in, in Eastern Bartonshire, Kirk and Tillock High, I spoke to some of the pupils there and basic and, and the head teacher and basically what they had to say is there's just a complete open door policy within right. the school from the support staff right through to the head teacher. So whether it's your janitor or your lunch lady or it's the head of the entire school and it's a massive school, the pupils should feel comfortable approaching any member of staff to talk about their mental health. Um, I caught up with Thomas, Chloe and, and Holly and I asked them, obviously this has been a major issue in the press in and out of it over the last couple of months um, about teenage mental health and just how poor it is. So I caught up with them and I asked them what their impressions were, first of all, of their school and how their school deals with it. In our school, there's a there's a lot of different things the teachers do in order to make sure everyone's OK with their mental health and to make sure everyone's coping with school. I think that there's a lot of different support from lots of different teachers. So everybody's got their guidance teacher and the head of your their key adults. So there's loads and loads of people who you can go and speak to. Yeah, if you're like ever under pressure or anything, the teachers are really understanding and they're not going to like put you under too much pressure to the point where you're worrying about anything. They're, they're all quite understanding about it all. Do you think there's more pressure on teenagers your age now than there maybe was 10 years ago with social media and things like that? I definitely yeah. think so, especially with um, social media. I feel like everybody puts on this fake life online and people that are seeing that think that that's what they need to be like when in reality like it's not real and I think that it's like yeah just a lot of social media does put a lot of pressure on people. I think that was great that you said See, like 10 years ago. That's so long ago. And then I realised actually 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's when we were, we were in, in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it did make me feel really old whether oh, they were my. sitting there in their, their lovely uniforms and their, their prefect badges. And I thought, oh yeah, that was just me a couple of years ago. No, oh, no prefect? it wasn't. I wasn't, of course. Oh man, we didn't. Well, see, the thing is, I think in the Highlands, we didn't have prefects or houses or anything. We didn't have uniforms. Because there's not enough of you. We <laughs> Yeah, it's a prefect for all seven people. No, we didn't we didn't have a uniform. But also the thing, I would say, this is great because certainly I don't know what it was like in Glasgow having not lived and grown up here. But in the school I was Imposter. at in uh, in the Highlands, everything to do with mental health was kind of a whisper. It was never any sort of real discussion. In the same way as, and don't snigger here, sex education. I learned more from things being scrawled on desks than I did from my actual teachers. So I think if it's the same approach kind of being taken to mental health and we're actually talking about it, we're actually having classes, discussions, debates, whatever, an open door policy is perfect. Back in, I said, back in my day, I don't even say, <laughs> goodness sake, back in our day, this was just not even a thing. You were just told, man up, get on with yourself, it's fine. 
I'm not even sure in where I went to school there was a, a man up and everything will be fine. It just wasn't spoken about. And I know that there were kids self-harming yep. and things like that, but it just wasn't spoken about. Nobody dealt with it. But the the research from, from the Mental Health Foundation Scotland who have launched this campaign, Make It Count, what they are calling for is dedicated classes to mental health because teenage suicide is on the rise. There's been a 20% rise in teenage referrals to counsellors in the last three years and it, it, it is just out of control. They're calling it a mental health crisis now amongst teenagers. You touched on it there in the discussion. Do you think... The, and this is just a purely opinion-based question. Do you think the rise in teenagers coming forward is because it is easier or is becoming easier for people to talk about how they're feeling and it's not it's okay to not be okay? Or do you think it's because there are more issues now for teenagers to deal with than perhaps you and I had to deal with? Well, that is a really interesting question. It's actually something I put to Tony Giuliano from the Mental Health Foundation who was at Kirk and Tillich High launching this campaign. And he kind of said he thinks it's a bit of a combination of both Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that there are more issues now it's just that there are different issues and there is more of a focus on it so we are hearing about it more and more children are feeling comfortable to come forward and say look I am struggling this is where I'm at with my mental health so it is I think a combination of both of those two things our week in the week well that nearly brings us to the end of the show but before we go it is time once again to find out how good are or Natalie's Glasgow (sighs) Jordan is as we play Where in the Weech. Yeah, every week one of us will take a turn to guess what part of Glasgow in the West the other is talking about based on three clues. If we get it right on the first clue, it's three points. Yep. Second clue, it's two. And third, it's one. There's a running tally and Colin is on the clues today. It's still 2-2 two, two after your Pollock nightmare last week. And I am going to add to my tally right. and come out victorious, okay. I hope, in even my- though... <laughs> I'm horrendous at this. In my defence, I really should have got Pollock, so in my head, I'm winning. But uh, yeah, it's the score sheet that That's not how it works, okay? okay? Just because you feel like you should be winning doesn't mean you're winning. Fine, right. Okay, let's see how you get on. First clue. Part of the Antonine Wall runs through this area of Glasgow. What? I don't even know what the Antonine Wall is. (laughs) It's a wall. That's basically... Well... It's a very old wall. and, And why is it important? Because it was something to do with the Romans. Oh. I think. I'm probably very wrong. But it's old and it's important and it's in Glasgow. <laughs> Come on. I don't know. Hit me. I can't. I, I can't. My brain's completely gone blank. I can't even think of the names of anywhere in Glasgow <laughs> to give you some sort of random answer. Uh, Dumbarton. Incorrect. Clue two for two points. The area is named after an actual person. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's not named after him, no. <laughs> Um, You'll be kicking yourself after you hear this. Oh, I can. I already know. I don't know. Um, Come on, Easter House. <laughs> I don't, no. honestly don't know. Yes, Mister Easter House. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's... third third clue for one point. The Glasgow University Murano Halls are in this area. I never went to Glasgow University. But everyone knows where Murano is. I don't, I don't. I don't know. Come on, final guess. One point. Hindland. Incorrect. <laughs> Yes, this is Mr. Hindland. It's Mary Hill, named oh. after Mary Hill. God, Natalie. You know I'm terrible at that. This. So, like, I'm a hope. I certainly hope that people listening to this were again shouting the answer because that was God. I gave it to you. 
Yes. I know. Well, if there, if there is a Mr. Hindland out there or Mr. Easterhouse, I would be delighted to meet we you. We want to hear from you. <laughs> a Week in the Weege is a Radio Clyde News production. For the latest around the clock, follow on Twitter at Radio Clyde News. Well, that brings us to the end of today's Week in the Weege. Join us again next time for more on the biggest stories across Glasgow and the West. And do not forget to follow Radio Clyde News on Twitter. Subscribe to Week in the Weege on iTunes. And we'll see you next time on Week in the Weege.